Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the one and only Minnesota Sports Podcast. I am again joined by Bales and Sam. Thank you for coming in. Let's get this episode going. We have a lot of sports to talk about. Let us start with the Minnesota Twins. So with the last 10 games, they are five and five. And Sam is going to take the helm on this because I have a lot of questions being a a toddler of a fan just starting this year. We are so up and down. We are five and one in our last six. And that's good. We swept the Giants 3-0, and we got a series dub against the Red Sox, 2-1 in Minnesota. All of those games have been in Minnesota. But I I also watched the other games where before that we were 1-6, being swept by the Astros, and losing the series to the Texas Rangers 3-1 in Texas. Sam, I want to give you the floor. What has been going on with these twins recently? Well, I'm going to start with the the games you just described. We swept the Giants and beat the Red Sox in the series, which, okay, the Giants and Red Sox are not playoff teams, so we should be beating them. And we come up against the playoff team in the Astros and just get demolished. Yep. You know, lose every game. And that's not really what you want to be hearing about a team that was once leading the division. Uh, it's not what you want to be hearing about them as the calendar rolls to September. You know, this is the home stretch coming up. And I think our problem lately, our main problem is that Buxton is hurt, which we say every year. We just don't know when it's going to happen or for how long. And he's been, he's been the catalyst of our offense this whole season, which has been the strength of our team. So... Buxton being out of the lineup, we lose that power, we lose that speed around the base pads. So, you know, now our offense isn't performing as well. And combined with the the pitching problems we've had this year in the bullpen, uh, which has been a little better with our trade deadline additions, but we've also lost Tyler Malley, who we, a starter that we traded for at the trade deadline, who was very effective in his first uh, few starts with us, but he left his last start with an injury, so we, lo- we lose an effective starter for an already struggling pitching staff. We lose the main catalyst of our offense, and that's going to cause us to uh, lose some games. And our, our upcoming games in September are not easy either. You know, we have a three-game series against the White Sox in Chicago, and then after that we have a four-game series against the Yankees. So and that's in New York. And then another series against the Guardians, who are currently leading the division. So it's not looking good for us. Yeah, um, I will say we are only one game behind the Guardians. And as a toddler of, of the game, a toddler of being a fan of the Twins, I see us going 2-1 and one or sweeping the White Sox. Bro- <laughs> Good bright case scenario. We're gonna we're gonna take a game against the Yankees and lose three. I can see us getting swept by the Yankees easily. And then the Guardians, I think that is the big test for where we are at in the division. Because they're 
they're number one right now. We're we're not too far behind. They're dropping games just like us, and that just shows that AL Central is not not the team to be scared of. But I want to end it with the bright spot of Tyler Molly being projected to start against the White Sox. What, what yeah. do you think? What do you think about that? You know, if he's back to full strength, that's great. Um, he left his last start with decreased velocity, which is never anything good. You know, it could be as minor as dead arm, which could take the whole month of September to recover from. He might uh, have his full velocity for the rest of the year, or might come back from the next start, or it could be you know, a nagging injury that he thinks he's over and then it pops back up again. So it's good that he's in line to start his next game, but we'll have to see how that start goes. Because if we lose him, then things are not looking good for a pitching staff. All right. And uh, one, another question I want to pr- present to you. Yesterday, our last game against the Red Sox, we're looking good, right? We're looking for a series sweep. I mean, Nick Gordon got a grand slam. That was when I tuned into the game. No outs, bases loaded, or I think it was one out. And Nick Gordon is up to the plate. I think it was 0-2, and boom, grand slam. All right, we, we got the dub there. Great. But. I want to go into our last podcast where Joe Ryan was the man to watch out for. And he comes into the the last game of the series. And, you know, with, with the knowledge that I have, having Joe Ryan to start, it's like, yeah, we got this. Okay. And then he gives up five runs as, as a starter. And we we come back you know, 5-5, but we end up losing that game, 6-5. What's going on with our pitching right now? I feel like it's so inconsistent, and you told me that. But Joe Ryan, being the the rookie that you you brought him up to me as, every time I see Joe Ryan, it's like it's tough because he does well, but he gives up those home runs, and he gives up – the the points what's going on well baseball as some people know has a steep learning curve you know it takes years to get through the minors and maybe someday you make it to the majors joe ryan being a rookie he's feeling the learning curve right now i would say we touched touched on before how he doesn't go deep in the games he's inexperienced and uh, we're kind of seeing that rearing its head a little bit. He's given up a lot of home runs. Uh, I know against the Padres back in early August, he got shelled or maybe late July. Um, I went to a game against the Royals a couple weeks ago, and he gave up a home run in the first inning. He was able to settle down after that, but again, it was against the Royals. And then, <laughs> you know, against the Red Sox, gives up a grand slam. You know, he's he's learning. You know, being a good pitcher takes years of perfecting your crafts and you know it's hard to be an ace on the staff as a rookie it takes a special pitcher to do that like johan duran yes exactly he's been doing well 
<laughs> he is the first MLB pitcher, I'm sure everybody heard, to throw an off-speed pitch 100 miles per hour. He threw a splitter 100 miles per hour. That's insane. It is literally crazy. That is Spanish. I, I heard. And I don't know Spanish. The, the Twins beat writer called it a splinker. Mixed between a splitter and a sinker. So. so that's right. Still right. No, I'm, I'm just saying he's got great stuff. Like, his, he can make anybody swing and miss. It's just too bad that he can't pitch every inning for us. Yeah, he's a closer. But he's one of the best closers. So well, lately we, have, we haven't been given him a lead to close with. You know, we've been behind. Yeah, that's true. Just like when we were down 5-0, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on to another rookie that we we all know his name. Jose Miranda. He's been killing it this year. And he is one of two people that have been consistent enough to carry the offense. And we can sprinkle in Carlos Correa every so often. No. Luis Arise and Jose Miranda carrying the offense to base hits. And they're the ones getting those RBIs. From a, a hitter standpoint, what is the like difference of the rookie mindset of a hitter and a pitcher? Hmm, that's a great question. I think part of it is has to do with the fact that as a hitter, you're kind of not that you expect to get out, but you know that you know seven or eight times out of 10, you're not going to get on base. So, you know, if a hitter has a mindset where I'm just going to go up there and grind every at bat I have, I'm going to, you know, foul some pitches off, swing at good pitches. And, uh, you know, they have the skills to back it up. They're going to start hitting well. And I think from what I've heard from Rocco Baldelli and other people in the organization is that, uh, Miranda's kind of just like a go-getter. You know, he's fine hitting anywhere in the lineup. He's fine playing anywhere in the field. He'll do whatever it takes to get on the field and help his team win. So bringing that same approach to the plate, I'm sure has helped him uh, put together some good at-bats and use his power and drive and runs and have clutch hits. Yeah, and he's been hitting at 27%. So that that's something that's good, right? Especially as a rookie. Especially when batting averages have been going down past five or so years. I'd say 270 is above average. And that's that's I wouldn't want to ask for anything more out of a rookie. So I think he's been doing great this year. And Luis Arise is hitting at uh 310, which is still good upon itself. But I think, oh, he's still third in the MLB behind Paul Goldschmidt at 332 and Freddie Freeman at 324. So Luis Arise is still top five hitter in the MLB. How, how long do we have him in his contract? That I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully we have him for long because, man, I am. He's the dude. Like whenever I I watch him, I kind of expect a hit because it's one of three 
that he's going to hit. And he's such a good, good dude at the plate that not only if he does get out, it's off a hit and it's a, it's a, a fly out. And not only that, but he, he challenges pitchers for longer than, than six, six or seven pitches. So he brings up the pitch count just by himself. Also, to add to that, with the run that we've had, five and one in the last six, we haven't had Byron Buxton at all. And can you just imagine how it is with Byron Buxton? And I know he's been more of a home run hitter, being top five before he got injured. But I can only imagine if the stars aligned, what our team has as potential for this year. And we have not been able to live up to it, sadly, but we have the looks of a team that can make a run in the playoffs. Just takes getting hot at the right time. You know, if Buxton comes back and the rest of our team has kind of picked up the slack while he's gone a little bit, you know, if they can keep hitting and Buxton comes back and provides that power and we can average five, six runs a game, then that'll make up for our pitching. And, you know, if we get leads early in the game, that puts pressure on the other team. So, you know, any team that makes the postseason, I think, has a chance to win the World Series. The Royals won the World Series as a wild card, or they made the World Series as a wild card team, won it the next year. And, you know, you just got to get in. You just got to get into the dance. And then after that, if you get hot at the right time, that's sometimes all it takes. For sure. For sure. Um in our last six games, we beat the Giants 9-0. We, we beat them 3-2 next, next day, 8-3. The, the Red Sox, 4. We beat them the next day, 10-5. And then we lost 6-5. So that average is about five, five or six per game, especially with that outlier of a 9 nine like game and is it that am i able to be excited for this for this next coming games of we're eight we've been averaging six six plus in the last six games am i able to be excited about that or should i just hold my horses and just you know keep it keep it steady no, I think it's fair to get excited. We've shown earlier in the year that we can be a good baseball team. We were leading the division all the way through May. Uh, we've had offensive leaders and you know batting average and home runs with the rising Buxton. So I, I'd say it's fine to be excited. It's just we haven't had much to show for it in the past week or so. But you know, if we can start putting it together as the calendar turns to September then I think it's always fine to be excited about your sports team. I mean, it's just a game in the end. And yeah. you can have excitement watching your team. I think that's more than a lot of other teams can say. Okay. And we have a, we have a, a big series coming up against the White Sox, them only being behind in the division four games. So this is... 
where we get battle tested. You know, I really don't expect us to do well against the Yankees because they have, you know, all the money in the world. And not only that, but Aaron Judge making all the home run home runs, making a big year out of that. If our pitching can hold us to to a lead in the beginning and give our offense the opportunity to give us a lead in the first five innings. I think we can contend, but only the twins players can be the judge of that. No pun intended. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm just a tired fan already, and I, I've only been a fan for for the past two months. When the Padres <laughs> came in, sadly, when when Joe Ryan was pitching, and I was I was watching those home runs, man. But it's tiring, you know. Like it is a tiring sport to to be. Oh yeah, let's go! And then oh my goodness, we just lost to a negative team and the Angels for a series, and then the Rangers for a series, and they're both negative. And then we beat the Giants, who we should beat, and then we beat the Red Sox, who we should beat. So I'm like, we should do this, right? But it's just an up-and-down roller coaster that I, I don't know how to how to keep with it because uh, it's, it's such an up-and-down feeling. Yeah. That's a good point you bring up. I mean, the baseball season is so long that there's bound to be, uh, you know, runs of wins and runs of losses. And you just hope that your team has more wins and losses. And a lot of seasons, teams get lucky and they, you know, have more runs of wins and losses. And other times teams get unlucky. And injuries always play a big part into it. I don't know. Baseball is a funny game. Yeah, that's all I have to say. It's a funny game. Yep, uh, I I still have to watch Moneyball, and I think once I watch Moneyball, maybe uh, my my feelings are gonna get relieved because they turned the team of you know first round exit to a World Series team in the snap of a finger, but maybe it'll just get my hopes up and. Like every Minnesota sports team, it'll just disappoint me at the end. That is well, a great. That I, is a great. I don't want to spoil anything for you, Ray, because this happened in real life, so it's it's nonfiction. But uh, they actually did not make a World Series, and they actually lost in the playoffs to the Twins oh! that year, which was the Twins' last playoff series win. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. Dang! At least we're in a movie, man. Dang. <laughs> at least we're in a movie. <laughs> at least we crushed somebody else's dreams compared to our dream being crushed all the time. Yep. It's like our Minneapolis miracle all over again. <laughs> oh, no. That that could be a movie too with Case Keenum. I can already see it. But you heard it here first, folks. I don't want to. I don't want to beat. A dead horse. Let us move into the next sport, the Minnesota Wild. I don't know too much about what just happened, but I do know what happened in 
the Minnesota Wild. So they just traded the defenseman Dmitry Kalyov for future considerations to the Kulikov. 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 For future considerations to the Anaheim Ducks. Bales, I'm going to turn it over to you because you are the NHL man. You are the wild man in the forest. All righty. So we actually had some action this uh, week in the wild organization. So we traded Kulikov. Uh, he was a solid six, seventh defenseman. Our defensive corps are amazing. As always, they're just solid. So, um, obviously, I think Bill Guerin, our GM, he made this move to clear up cap space. It was two and a quarter million dollars he saves. And we definitely have that big cap crunch going with the Parisi and Suter tri- uh, buyouts, excuse me. And uh, I think it was a good trade. Just to free up some space, we have uh, Kalen Addison, which I think this opens the door for. Young guy, we traded him. We traded for him for the Suter trade, or Zucker trade, excuse me. God damn. Anyways, for the Zucker trade, uh, great player, good kid, very fast, moves the puck well offensively, but also two-way. So I'm excited to see what he has we did uh, sign Suster, who played most games for the Anaheim Ducks last year as well. So he'll have some competition to go, but I see him winning it clearly. He tore up the AHL last year and had a few good games with the Wild last year with the big club. So Kulikov, big body, good guy, but. At the end of the day, we're opening some doors by freeing up cap space and letting a younger guy take the reins on our defensive corps. Yeah. Um, one question I do have is what does it mean with future considerations? Is that like money or is that draft picks? Like, is it like Hey, Kulikov has been performing well. You can get my second round drop pick. Like, what what does that mean? So, have you ever seen Semi Pro where, like, yes. they trade black coffee, you know, for like a vending machine? Yeah, I, I did see that movie. And, like, stuff like that. It's not that ridiculous, but at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, to look into our trades or cash considerations is another one where they just give you cash. <laughs> but future considerations, what does that mean? Future considerations, it just is to look over future trades, basically. So we're going to get like a vending machine out of it or what? No, it's just we traded to them to free up cap space to give a young guy a player, the future considerations is just who knows, maybe we make a trade down the line and they'll know that we it was a win win for both teams. I mean, they didn't have to give up anything, yeah, price of cash, stuff like that. So, 
It's a weird one. I feel like it's one of the only sports that does that, but it actually happens a lot. Yeah. Either okay. it's future or cash considerations. So it's probably just like, you know, next year's draft if they want to trade up or something, you know, they have that chip. Because being a GM, it's all about being a per- people person, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, yes, this helped me, but I actually gave you a capable starting defenseman. Okay. Well, I feel like there are more questions that brew it up with your answer. But let's just move on to the next sport, MLS. Who really knows? No, no, no. So we also signed Sam Steele uh, from Anaheim. He's kind of like a utility man, a Swiss Army knife. Uh, he had a really good uh, junior career. He put up 131 points, I believe, in like 52 games. He got to the AHL, kind of slowed down. He got to the AHL, and he really kind of stepped up. And then we saw nothing. So this could be a good player to kind of like be a utility player, basically. You know, he can play wing. He can play center. That will help with injuries because hockey is a very physical game where you can have a lot of injuries. So I think what Bill Guerin is doing is trying to make some smart kind of depth signings along with opening up doors for our farm system. As we've talked about before, our farm system is – very good with a lot of uh, talent sitting there. Hockey is kind of like baseball, Sam, where you have to prove yourself in each division before you make it to the NHL. I mean, kids get drafted out of high school, developmental teams. And there's a long way. Just because you're drafted first round, like Stam still was, doesn't mean you're going to make it. Yeah. And be great. So that's basically it with the wild. Um, you know, we got excitement. We have a month left until the season starts, which, you know, I can't wait. Well, basically two months, but I will watch preseason. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Going into that, uh, I do want to touch base on, you know, how our new GM in the Minnesota Vikings, Kweisi Adolfo Mensa, I think he has that same approach of building that depth and building a team to not only have great starters, but when some starters do get injured, we have that depth to make up for it so we have that next man up mentality i know bales and i were talking before the season starts in the nfl we're so excited for the season and we're we don't like talking about all these acquisitions and we just want to see how it turns out so being a minnesota sports fan we're still looking for that that title, you know, in any professional male professional sport. I, I love I love all sports, you know. Go go links. That was our last championship run. But 
we do want to see a championship in the Wild Twins, um, Vikings, and moving into our next segment, the Minnesota United. Um, we have had a roller coaster two games. We had a comeback versus Houston down one with an extra time goal. Uh, we got lucky with a own goal in the 79th minute from Houston. And we got a game-winning goal from Luis Amaria in the 84th minute in Minnesota. That's amazing, especially coming off the dub against Austin FC, the number two team in the Western Conference. But we come this week against real salt lake i think number eight in the standings or number six excuse me number six in the standings we just wet the bed and go uh scoreless three zero l and you know it's crazy stuff but it happens. I'm looking forward to, you know, scoot that out the boot. We have another big game coming up against FC Dallas, number four in the standings. We have 44 points. They have 43 points. If we get a dub in this, we're going to have 47. They're still going to stay at 43. Other teams have opportunity to beat them in the running as of that week. but. This is another big game coming up. Hopefully, our team can make the big runs and make the big goal when it matters most. But let's move on to our last segment of the Timberwolves, who is the most hyped up sport that we have in Minnesota as of right now. The Twins up and down. The Vikings, we don't know yet. I think they're an underdog team. The Wild, they could be a playoff team or they are a playoff team, but who knows where Thank you. they go. You know, Thank you. Who knows where they can go. The Minnesota United, they're a number three seed right now, just fighting to be number three seed and trying to claw their way back to the number two seed in Austin FC. But the Minnesota Timberwolves, as you all know, or might not know, the Cav- the Cleveland Cavaliers just traded for Dov- Donovan Mitchell. And in return, they gave up Colin Sexton, Lori Markkinen, a rookie, Ochai Ag- Agbaji, the 20-25 27 and 2029 first round picks and pick swaps in the 26 and 28 pick swaps. What are your initial reactions from that? I haven't heard from Sam in a while. I want to hear you first. I was kind of surprised. Um, I think everyone was questioning whether the Jazz were going for, you know, a rebuild or just trying to get rid of Gobert. And I think it's clearing out that they're. They're, for whatever reason, they were ready to dismantle their team and go for the full rebuild, which I thought they they had a good core with Gobert and Mitchell, but 
uh, now that they've blown it up, uh, looks like they're going for the full rebuild. Then uh, I'm just kind of surprised he went to Cleveland because I don't know if Cleveland's in a much better spot to make it far in the playoffs, even with Donovan Mitchell. A lot of hype. I mean, Colin Sexton, gone. Garland's kind of been a guy for him. Yep. So, maybe they are trying to put those pieces, you know, to make a playoff run. But, I mean, like you said, I don't really see them making any kind of splash. But Donald Mitchell still is young, I believe. Youngish. At least prime. He is definitely in his prime right now. I suppose in, I guess, a weaker Eastern Conference, maybe Donovan Mitchell helps. Nah, don't even say that. Don't even before you before we continue on that. I had a discussion with a friend. We were duty driving for like three hours, and he brought it up to my attention that the East is not as weak as we thought it was last, like two years ago. You know, the Cavaliers, keep in mind, before the All-Star break, they were a top five seed in the East with all those young guys. Because they had Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love, Darius Garland was playing lights out. Jarrett Allen was doing well. They have Isaac Okoro. Adding Donovan Mitchell, I think, is a big piece in their step up. I see them also becoming a top five team in the East behind the Celtics, behind the Bucks, you know, the Sixers and, you know, that, that four and five spot is up for grabs. Oh, uh, minus the heat, you know, the heat is also there. So that five spot is. What about the Nets? Oh man. But the Nets. We really have to see because they were a seven seed. So we'll have to see how that goes. And they're they're in a top, let's say six, just to just to you know agree. They're in that top six discussion. What do you guys think of the addition? Yes, they lost Colin Sexton, Lori Markinen. A rookie that I don't even want to pronounce his name again. Like, <laughs> what do you think about that? The ac- acquisition does it push them over the top and get home home court advantage in the playoffs? No, no. But it's all about consistency. At the end of the day, it's all about consistency, and the Cavaliers. In the first half of the season last year, they demonstrated that they have that consistency. The Nets, they have the star power, but they don't have that consistency. Being being swept by the Celtics and going down to a seven seed. Yes, it's the year. Celtics are good. I already put the Celtics at, at the one and two seed, like realistically can they make a push for a three and four seed and after that they have a chance to be a playoff team in general i think they could push for a four seed you know if 
the Heat or the 76ers uh, take a step back from last year and the Cavs take a step up, I don't see him getting past uh, the Celtics or the Bucks, you know, for the, those top two seeds. Um, I don't know. Donovan Mitchell's a great player. He's a super good offensive talent in his prime, can carry a team, shows up for big games, can score from anywhere. So when you have a player like that, you have a chance in every game. But I just don't know about the pieces around him. If they're going to be able to elevate that team to anything beyond a five or six seed. Well said. Well said. Yes. Hopefully, man. I, I'm I'm not really a Cavs fan. I just wanted to make a discussion before I get into the big discussion that I wanted to have because this is the one and only Minnesota Sports Podcast. I want to compare with the star players that the Jazz took out. We we know that they are in full rebuild mode. They have a total of seven first-round picks from the teams that they traded with. <coughs> I want to compare Donovan Mitchell <clears throat> and Rudy Gobert, what they got. So I'm going to start with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, they gave up or they got Colin Sexton, Lori Markkinen, Ochai Agjabi, a 2025, 27, and 29 first round pick, and they got pick swaps on the 2026 and 28. And let's go to Rudy Gobert. There, our trade we gave Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmaro, Walker Kessler, our first round pick, Jared Vanderbilt, a 2023, 20, 25, 27, and 29 first and a 2026 pick swap. Initial reactions. Who gave up more for the player that they got? Mm, Well, we gave up more, but I feel like we got the better player, especially that fits our team. I mean, we got rid of Vanderbilt. We got rid of Beverly, but... They were both defensive players, and we got a three-time defensive player of the year now. But you also look, you have an age difference, too. Cavs gave away Markinen. They gave away Sexton. They've been in the league a couple of years. Markinen's actually been a pretty solid power forward, small forward. Originally a pick by the Timberwolves. Going to the Bulls. Yep. I feel like both trades were fair. In a sense, Landra Balmero is probably the one person that I am really sad to see go because I've heard a lot of potential, but also at the same time, do you know if that potential is going to be fulfilled? He had a lot of hype around his name, but that's the perfect time to sell him and trade him, especially for a player of Gobert's statue. And uh, I think Gobert fits our game plan a lot more than Donovan Mitchell does. Yes, the Cavs have Isaac Okoro, who is a defensive stud. But 
you're bringing in more offense, but how is that defense going to look over there? So we might have gave up more, but I think we got more value. Sam, what do you think? Uh, I kind of I agree with Bailey. I think we gave up more. And I think a big factor of it is, uh, you know, we were the first to try to take one of their stars from the Jazz. You know, when we approached Jazz to trade for Gobert, they had a full team. They were a playoff team. So it makes sense that we had to give them a lot to be able to kind of break up that core that they had. And then after Gobert was gone, you know, I think the Jazz and the rest of the league knew that, you know, now with Gobert gone, they're probably more willing to give up Mitchell for, you know, a lesser price because the Jazz without Gobert is going to be worse than the Jazz with Gobert. So you either, you know, have Mitchell carry your team for next four years until it's time for a Supermax, or do you just blow it up now, get all the value you can while you can uh, go from there? So I think we gave up more, and that's because we were the first ones to kind of take a star away from the Jazz. Yeah. I also heard, like, reports that the Jazz were accelerating talks to move Donovan Mitchell. So they were eager to move him. They weren't eager to move Gobert, kind of like what you're saying. So, yes, like, they were going to get less, but they still got a good package. I mean, three first-round picks is nothing to sneeze at. It kind of seems like they were doing the whole old Boston when they traded with Brooklyn their first year, you know, trying – gain those picks because now you look at that you have Jalen Brown, Tatum I mean so many good players that came out of that Mm -hmm. but not only that honestly the Jazz are not looking too bad because they have Mike Conley THT from the Lakers, Malik Beasley Ochai Agjabi. That's the last time I'm going to say it because that, that gives me <laughs> a headache as I try to say it. Lori Markkinen, Colin Sexton, Jared Vanderbilt, Rudy Gay. They still have a solid team building around them. Like, Did you just say Rudy Gay? They still yeah. have Rudy Gay. <laughs> yeah, they still have him. He still is in the what league. What is this, 2010? He's still in the league. <laughs> but... Honestly, with how they've been building, I I I did not look into who they still have, and they still have those pieces that can make a run at the seven or eight seed, and it doesn't even matter anymore as a seven and eight or a nine and ten, like they're still gonna be in the play-in. So with the players that they have, they still have pieces to make that run and that's another thing that I want to bring up before we close up this this uh, segment is I do not understand pick swaps because they gave up two pick swaps to the the Cavaliers in the 2026 20, 20 and 2028 years, and they gave up a 2026 swap with us. So that's a three-way 2026 pick swap so in just my thinking it's whoever does the best gets the best pick in all of it because 
if the Timberwolves are like, let's say, 50 and 32, then they're going to get the best pick out of that trade. I don't think so. No, the pick swap means the worst team gives up the best, gives up their pick. And the worst team gives up their pick. So you're saying for the Timberwolves, the 2026 pick swap. In 2026, the Timberwolves are expected to be good because we'll have Gobert, Towns, Edwards, D'Lo. Yep. And the Jazz will be bad, most likely. So by us getting a pick swap, the lottery pick that the Jazz would get, it's swapped with the late-run first pick that we would have. So now we have the lottery pick, and they would have the late first-round pick. Yes. That's what I was – yeah, exactly. Thank you, Sam. I think the more pick swaps, the better, because it's – that team is still getting a pick, but this gives you the way – to actually kind of get, you know, a role player because it's only a two-round draft. You know, top 10 usually pan out and a couple stragglers. So I feel like this is a good way for at least like the Timberwolves or the Cavs to at least pick a player that will help them in the future. And it's also kind of like a gray area to get around the whole every other year trading your first round pick that the NBA has. You see, but that's that's what I'm trying to say is I feel like that's more smoke and mirrors for a pick swap because the Timberwolves, if they do better, it's going to reward them in the 2026 season. Right? Yes. It's more if the Jazz do bad. Okay. Because if we play well, then we're just pushing the Jazz pick later in the first round. And, and I, I, I don't like doing this, but having a three-team pick swap, is it just makes it more confusing because if we do well, we were the initial – team to get that pick swap so they are trading their pick swap with us to the cavaliers so that's just confusing me you know like who so would the, is it the same our pick would we get the jazz <laughs> see uh, yeah this uh, is Sam, so weird. Sam, what, what do you got to say <laughs> Well, do we know if it's the same 2026 pick? Are they did they swap two picks, like a one pick with us and a different pick with the Cavs? It could be like that. Well, if you think about it, everybody gets one first round pick. <clears throat> so if we all pick swap, that's a three way trade, and that makes it so much like more confusing. Not if they got another first round pick from another team. Correct. But in your scenario, if it's the same pick that they're swapping, then we got the Jazz's pick, the Jazz got the Cavs' pick, and the Cavs got our pick. Yes, there it is. Wow, that is 
That's a lot of smoke and mirrors, man. The NBA loves their three and four team trades. It is. It's it, it's hard to uh, look about that, but let's get into less confusing things. Torian Prince, we all know <laughs> our our dude. Minnesota Timberwolves forward Torian Prince was arrested in Miami on Thursday due to a fugitive out-of-state warrant stemming from a traffic stop in Texas in May, according to a statement from Arlington Police. Now, let's continue down. Prince was ultimately arrested at Miami International Airport and booked into the Turner Gulford Knight Correctional Center on Thursday night, according to inmate records. He was granted bond Friday. In a statement Thursday, Timberwolves said they are aware of the situation. They're getting more information. That is from ESPN. He was apparently in the last week and a half, they issued a warrant for his arrest because they recovered one one hundredth of an ounce of THC, which is probably the smallest amount you can have. That is all from ESPN. What do you guys think about that? He hung around Malik Beasley too much. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. It's par, par for the course for the Timberwolves lately. Yeah. What is up with all of our teams having all these incidents? I think like the Vikings are a top three team in the NFL with arrests. Timberwolves are making their way up, probably. It's that Minnesotan luck, I guess. I don't know. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's going to suck to lose him. It, it, it is interesting. I I think he'll be able to play this season. He'll be able to pay off the fines or whatever he has to do to, to play. But I think that's just a crazy thing that I want to talk about real quick. Last but not least, I want to talk about Alex Rodriguez and his deal with purchasing the Timberwolves with uh, Mark Lore from SI.com. Alex is Alex Rodriguez's participation in a $1.5 billion deal to acquire the Timberwolves and links reportedly is in jeopardy, according to a report by the New York Post. The former MLB star was set to purchase the team with Mark Lore, who is a billionaire online retail businessman. The two men made a down payment of $250 million in July 2021. They intend to be equal partners once the deal is complete. The team is currently owned by Glenn Taylor, a local businessman and politician who became its majority owner in 1994. According to the report, however, Rodriguez has not paid the full half of his down payment, meaning Lore paid the rest of the balance. The amount is worth a 20% stake in a franchise. This leaves Lore with a 13% share in the Timberwolves. Well, <coughs> while Rodriguez has 7%. <coughs> the duo must pay for the next 20% stake by the end of 2022 in order to have the opportunity to buy then additional 40% in control of the team. By the end of the 2023, therefore, the ESPN analyst must come up with the rest of his down payment along with enough cash to pay up his half of the 20%. A source close to the situation told New York Post that A-Rod may not end up being an equal partner to Lore at this rate. I wouldn't be surprised if A-Rod becomes a subservient number two to Lore, the source said. 
Another issue at hand, it is believed, is that Rodriguez has struggled to come up with the money after breaking up with J-Lo last year. Originally, Lore looked at the deal as the couple investing in the team, not just Rodriguez. A source close to Rodriguez told the New York Post that Lopez helped interest investors, so it doesn't help Rodriguez that his ex-fiance is no longer in the picture. What? is going on with minnesota after hearing that the si.com article what do you guys think i think just like probably her third cousin george j-lo is a low rider i don't know maybe they're just going for it i mean a-Rod, he could definitely find the funds to get it. I feel like it's not chump change by any means, but I feel like he'll pull it out. Like we were talking earlier, these celebrity divorces and stuff like that can get messy. So I really want him to be a full partner with lore though because he brings that x factor you know like we we're talking about Dominic and sue he brings the name he brings the success and i feel like that's part of a reason why we got the go bear trade it's because we kind of have that swagger now you know okay Okay, well, Sam, what do you think about that? Initially, after reading the article, what do you think? Well, Bailey mentioned that he said that it sounds like J-Lo's a low rider, but it sounds like A-Rod needs J-Lo to be a lone rider right now. Yeah. Oh, uh, he needs some extra cash. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm not too worried. Uh, you know, someone is still buying the Timberwolves. It just might not be a 50-50 split. It might be more... 70 30 or whatever it sounds like lore and a-rod have a good relationship though so i don't think there'll be any power struggles going on i think they can respect how much of the team the other person has and i've heard lore has already covered part of a-rod's costs so i'm sure if mark lore ends up owning most of the team that a-rod will still have input um i don't know i think they both bring good facets to the ownership, so I'm not too worried if one of them owns more than the other. I don't know. For, I never fully watched uh, that Facebook movie. What, what is that called? <laughs> A social network. Yeah, the social network. But from what I've heard from it, when one person has the upper hand, especially when it comes to money, it gets a little tricky. And my main thing about it is I hope that the Timberwolves do not leave and go to Seattle. Like, let's say the Lakers who were at first the Minnesota Lakers because it only makes sense in our state. I hope it doesn't happen to that again. And then we have to rebuild and what hopefully get a shack like draft pick, <laughs> draft pick, like 
we don't have that luck, man. Like, we have to just hope that it doesn't come to that. Don't have that I luck. Know. We drafted Towns and Anthony Edwards. As At number one. Picks. Yeah. Shaq. They're two stars. Cats are the best shooting big man in NBA history, and Ant is ascending rapidly. All right, Bills, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that, uh, well, first off, I want, I can't believe you guys didn't get the joke. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez, George Lopez. I, I got it. Remember waking yeah, up in the morning to low ride? Yeah, was, uh, I know, it hurt my feelings a little bit, not going to lie. I thought you were somewhat serious. I <laughs> I don't know if they're third cousins or not. <laughs> See, exactly. <laughs> but back to the team. Um, I believe there is a stipulation. I know there was controversy about Glenn Taylor putting that they couldn't move the team. I know I that caused... can't move the team. We we shouldn't. We're a big I think market. Glenn Taylor put a stipulation in the bill of sale that they couldn't move the team at least until a certain year because I he still is going to be part owner. I believe until. 2027 and 2028 or somewhere around there. So it still is a few years in the making. But I remember, I believe when that happened, there was controversy over that. So I'm not expecting us to move to Seattle. I mean, I guess, I mean, at least the Timberwolves, it rains all the time over there, so it would be raining buckets, but Stop. I wouldn't want to Don't see even it. make those jokes. <laughs> Don't. Please stop. I, I thought it was good, that. Bailey. I don't want that. I'm still trying to figure out the, uh, a nickname for the, the centers that we have. So I'm still recovering off that joke. I, I think, bring they, it up I think the Aristocats is good. Yeah. Because we got Cat, obviously. And then Rudy Gobert, he's French, like the aristocrats in France. And then you combine it with the old Disney movie, The Aristocats. Boom. I, like, I like it. I think the worst part about that joke was the next day there was protests on the LIV Golf League because of that day, that horrible day. Yeah. So yeah. that really you know no, I don't man. I don't want you to I don't want you to go into that anymore. Let's <laughs> get into the outro. Uh I want to first thank my boy Bales, always the co-host. Now hopefully he keeps his phone for the next month or two. Maybe he can keep it for the ne- the whole year. That's a big ask. Yeah. It's it, like asking A Rod to come up with all that money. and of course i want to thank our special host sam wetzel thank you for giving your input on not only the vikings but answering so many questions i have for the twins thank you for coming in thanks for having me guys it's always great talking to you yeah thank you sam yeah i know it's uh it's tough to have it be so late I, I i try not to have it so late but with our schedules it it only makes sense for that part but 
They're letting the audience know what time it is. That's I feel like it's kind of a no-no for podcasts. <laughs> yes. It's 9.45, and to... To cap that off, the Minnesota Golden Gophers came up with a 38-0 win against New Mexico State. We ended up covering the cover of 35 and a half points. Bale said 36. We beat both of those. So it's looking good. Minnesota sports fans know that. When it's a big cover, it's harder to to take on because we're such an up and down team. Um, it's good to have that. But last and not least, definitely not least, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us be part of your morning drive, evening drive, whatever. Thank you for making time to listen to us and how we are as a Minnesota sports teams, thank you for giving us time of day. And with that, I just want to say another thank you. Have a great day or night. Peace.